You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. My name is Merle. I'm here with my good friend Dante, and we're here to build worlds and tell their stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, good morning, afternoon, and evening, one and all. Welcome back to the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dante. And I'm the other host, and my name is Merle. And today, as we always do, we're going to talk about and break down some of our favorite aspects of world building, a hobby we both share and hope to share with you. How's your week been, Merle? Anything come to mind? Any errata to go over before we hop into our topics? Mm, maybe not errata, but there was a really nice conversation that I had with a sort of friend of a friend that I now also like had a chat with on Instagram. And she's like, oh, I listened to your podcast and it was so nice. And I was super, super flattered <laughs> by all her by all her comments because she had so many opinions. And then we sort of started a thread with like starting to talk about the prompt from a f- like a few episodes oh, back. Oh, that's awesome. The, the, the one with like, if people had wings. And she was like, I would want to have wings. Like, also, did you think about if people <laughs> are disabled, like they can just walk, but then maybe in the society they would feel like disabled people if they can't fly and stuff. Ooh. And then we sort of developed a whole new thing. And I was like, oh, we, Dante, I was very proud of us because I feel like this is sort of what we want to achieve <laughs> with people listening to this <laughs> podcast. And it worked. Yeah, this is exactly what really the prompt fun. is for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very great. So I felt I felt like I should point that out for a sec. <laughs> That's so neat. Mm-hmm. It it feels like unreal because last time I checked the stats, we have like twenty weekly listeners. That's twenty whole people. Yeah. That's like a whole room. That's that's a that's class. crazy. Yeah, classroom full of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classroom. Yeah. Um. That's really exciting. Um. Any progress with the memorizing states, memorizing countries? No, I don't have any progress, and I feel very <laughs> bad about it. Because I, I was so forward on wanting to get this straight. But yeah, I mean, it's good that we keep asking it because then I will feel guilty every <laughs> week. So then eventually I will do it, you know, <laughs> this is how my brain it's works. It's not the intent. It's not the intent. All right. Okay. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. This is, this is good. Yeah. Um, also, I just felt like bringing it up in recent events. I was invited to go watch Monster Trucks over the weekend. Oh, oh um, cool. Something I've never done before. Like like a live show, right? That's the sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Apparently it's like a touring competition of eight monster trucks <laughs> and they just did tricks for an hour or two. Hey. And <laughs> nice. it was <laughs> it was surprising how much we got into it. Huh. Um to the point that like at the end of the night our voices were like hoarse huh. from just yelling at, oh, the, yelling okay. at the trucks. I feel like you got converted um, there. <laughs> I mean great. it was fun. I don't I don't know if I'd go a second time, definitely the first time. Hmm. We were having fun with it. There was like a system they had on our phones where we could vote on how well they were doing. Oh, what? Like we could rate their tricks on one to ten. So avant-garde. So every time someone did something cool, we just yelled, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Amazing. Yes. I can, I can see this in my head. I can't, I never thought of Monster Trucks ever in my life until you No, me neither. I didn't. I think there I was this one was like thing. super shitty video game on like like a website from like 2004 that was called monster <laughs> truck extreme or something and it was just a platformer where it just had to like ride a truck and don't die that's all the <laughs> the headcanon that exists in my head for monster trucks <laughs> and honestly that's all you need yeah i guess so would you recommend right. it uh definitely the one time i'd recommend it the one time <laughs> single use okay um, if you want to yeah, yeah yeah if you want to make it like a pastime with your family i could see that hmm. but 
I think I saw everything I need to see. <laughs> I understand the genre yeah, now. I'm got, done. <laughs> yeah, I got my full plate. Great, great. Absolutely. All right. Oh, well, we have two topics today to go over. Uh, I have one, you have one, mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. I'm going first today. Yes, right? kick it off. All right. Uh, I wanted to discuss a literary term that not too many people are familiar with, but certainly understand. Um, are you familiar with the term Lancer? Lancer? I don't think so. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, today, my topic is we're going to talk about Lancers. Uh, we know about main characters. We know about villains. We've talked about those in previous show, in previous episodes. Uh, but Lancers are commonly known as the second in command uh, in terms of a story's direction. Hmm. I uh, was prompted to to bring this up because there was a fantastic episode I watched years ago from a series called Trope Talk, where they discuss things that are kind of consistent across different medias and literary genres. Yeah. Uh, and Lancers is the term for... Actually, uh, let me go into where it originated from, because that's actually really interesting. Sure. This comes straight from everyone's favorite TV tropes.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. The Lancer is named for the men at arms of the Middle Ages, the term for a professional soldier. While the term also encompasses the members of a knightly class, a man at arms was not necessarily a knight. They were also men of lesser financial and social status than knights, but were equally trained and equipped to fight on horseback in full armor and with sword and lance, just like their social superiors. So when talking about the Lancer, we talk about a hierarchy in the story structure. And of course, at the Mm -hmm. very tip top is the main character, the protagonist, the person the story revolves around, but usually right by their side, filling in one or many different roles is the Lancer. Now, the Lancer is not the same thing as a sidekick. They're kind of like the second leader. Very often they have very similar traits with the main character. In fact, if the main character wasn't there, they would probably be the main character. Oh, okay. But they have specific contrasting details and traits that makes them a a consistent and reliable foil to the main character. So to help paint this picture, I have a couple of examples written down here. Most of them are from anime because that's just me. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. In Dragon Ball Z, of course, to the main character Goku, we have Vegeta, who is the eternal rival, the once villain turned good guy, and the person who fights on the side of good, but was not always necessarily good. In the series One Piece, we have Luffy and his first mate, Zoro. Luffy is headstrong, reckless, impulsive, versus Zoro's uh, cool-headed, voice-of-reason type style. Mm. He often takes command whenever Luffy isn't available or is away. Um, If we want to turn to um, Avatar, it doesn't necessarily have a very strict Lancer throughout the entirety of the series. In the uh, At Last Airbender, Katara fills in the role of Lancer, as in a differing opinion from Aang, a responsible voice versus his often um, recklessness. Mm. And then later on in the series, the role of the Lancer is more taken on by Zuko, who um, in siding with Aang becomes this foil where they both want to accomplish the same thing, but in very different ways. And of course, in Legend of Korra, it starts off as Mako and then eventually transitions the Lancer position into Asami, who plays as Korra's voice of reason, partner in crime, often the brains to her brawn in terms of uh, what they want to accomplish. Mm, Yeah. 
And one of my favorite examples is specifically from The Dragon Prince, written by the same folk. The main character, Callum, his his lancer is Rayla, who also functions as the rival, the enemy, the best friend, eventually the love interest. And their contrasting worldviews gives a more complete image of of the story at large. It's a fantastic balance between the two characters. So yeah, um, I love the Lancer. I think more than I don't really like main characters very often, <laughs> but I love the Lancer almost 100% of the time. Oh, wow. Interesting. I like all of this very much. I have to say, I never thought about it this way. And to be honest, I didn't even know there was like a term for this. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know what a sort of side character or a sort of also important in the group character is, but, <laughs> but I guess it has a name now. That's great. So, so would you say, because you mentioned like first mate in one of the examples, right? Mm-hmm. Is the Lancer specifically there for like providing the contrast or is it more of a sort of assistance or both? So there's actually two different positions that, uh, are just, that you just described. Um, one is called the Lieutenant. Uh, the Lieutenant is somebody who follows the main character to their every command, mm. kind of like the Alfred to the Batman. Um, they still offer like different opinions, but at the end of the day, they always side with the main character. Okay. The role of the yeah. Lancer, though, is to consistently provide a foil. Even though the protagonist and the Lancer are working towards the same goal, it's because they're so different that both characters are tested. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to like take down the king. Uh, one of them goes for the peaceful route. The other one insists that they go through some sort of combat or violence to achieve it. And it's uh, kind of the wrestling between those two ideals that consistently forms a very entertaining dynamic. Oh, no, I, I kind of like it, though, because it's quite funny because I was thinking right after we recorded the last episode where we talked about villains, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, it's interesting. And that was a starting topic. But then right after I was like, but what about all these other characters that are also contrasting towards the protagonist, <laughs> right? And now there's a, yeah. this is literally what that is. That's great. Yeah. Very interesting. Also yeah. because within one party or one team or one, you know, bunch of main characters, you still need to have interesting discussions. Like they can't all be good in the same way because then there would be mm. no conflict, no nothing. And then <laughs> there's no, not really a story. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Could you imagine if like Star Trek, if, could you imagine if every character in Star Trek just followed Captain Kirk to the word, you know, <laughs> it'd be the most boring show. It'd yeah. be like, yes, Captain. Okay, Captain. Let's do that, Captain. Oh, we messed up. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's everybody's fault, Captain. That's so boring. Uh-huh. There's got to be someone who like, there's got to be a Spock who says, this is why you should have done this. This is why you've got to learn. This mm-hmm. is why you can't keep making those mistakes because lives are at risk. It's that push that is just so fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite tropes in uh, in terms of the protagonist Lancer dynamic is that the Lancer will go like leave the party and do their own thing and have like their own adventure. And then um, during that separation time, they'll both grow, but they'll both realize that they're less effective without each other. So oh, the eventual okay. like return when they meet up again and they're both stronger for it. And that first team up after the break is just I don't know, it's just so so fun. So satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does every Lancer have this? Is this like a sort of core trait of it, of the of the trope? I think 
I want to say that most stories have a Lancer to a lesser or greater degree. Some of them are very, very obvious in terms of like the main rival, mm -hmm. but others, um, sometimes the Lancer role is split into different characters in terms of minor, minor placements. But I feel like you could just name like most protagonist stories, most heroic stories always have somebody that stand that exists to to challenge the main character, mm -hmm. not in yeah. like an evil condescending way, but more of a, why don't you see the world like this yeah. instead? Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, I like that. And I think it also ties a little bit into a little bit into the uh, sort of Mary Sue idea. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the sort of idea that perfect mm -hmm. characters are the most boring ones and that you really should oh, yeah. write perfect characters, whether it's true or not. But I think there's definitely a truth in that. Because if you have perfect characters that constantly consider everything and blah, 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 there's, there's no interesting stuff going on. And I think the same happens within one group. Like if all, if all the group members have the same function in the story or provide similar insights, then there's nothing interesting going on. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the best Lancers are the ones that would be in charge or would be important if it wasn't for the main character. If the mm -hmm. main character wasn't strong or gifted or endlessly charismatic, it's often the main character has something that the Lancer is missing. Uh, and because of it, they're kind of put to the sidelines. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, so it's also about sort of standing in the shadow of the main character. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There, like multiple times, you'll see a character, uh, a lancer, grow just because they're feeling themselves lacking. They wish mm. they could be in the main character position. They wish they could be the hero that the world needs, but for one reason or another, they can't be. Right. And because of that, they come to rely on the protagonist. It adds value to the main character. It adds a worthwhile discussion. Um, and it's often why people love the Lancer so much. It's because it's this relatable, almost their hero that yeah, you want to yeah, root yeah. for that, throughout yeah, the entirety of the story. Sense. Yeah. This also reminds me of, of one thing that I always love when they do that with characters, that when that very mm -hmm. often the main character in a hero's journey is sort of unprepared for their fate and another oh, character yeah, yeah. is super prepared and is has been training their entire life or has been <laughs> set up for this you yes, know and then they yes, don't yes, yes. they're they're not the the prophetic one <laughs> and they're not the chosen one yeah they're yeah. not the chosen one and then there's always this sort of grudge sort of dynamic but yeah mm -hmm. i always love that one when they do it <laughs> And I think that's also then very much a Lancer. Well, I mean, depends if they're, which way they're going. Like if, if they're becoming part of this sort of main character's clique, then I guess it would be a Lancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that mm -hmm. story exactly is in um, the, the famed manga turned anime, My Hero Academia, huh. where um, I haven't seen Deku, it. yeah, it's great. And Deku is somebody who is powerless in a world where everybody has a superpower. Oh. Um, he was born, he was one of those like, 5% or 10% who was born without one, which makes him incredibly weak. And his best friend inherits a very powerful superpower. He can like summon fire from his palms and all that. But the story flips on its head because the main character who is powerless gains uh, the ability one for all from the world's greatest hero. He suddenly is thrust into this position where he is to succeed the world's greatest hero, even though he wasn't born with that natural talent. Oh. And his best friend is incredibly jealous. Oh, incredibly dang, that's um, interesting. Hmm, I, yeah, I should incredibly watch it <laughs> angry. Worth it. I mean, if you like academia, you're probably. I mean, gonna... it's in the title, so <laughs> that that should say something. Yeah, <laughs> it's tr it's tricky because it's academia plus superhero. 
So I know oh, that's kind hmm. of a weird balance for you. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued now. And I mean, I have to say this, this, this premise sounds really fucking great. So, cause it's literally what I just described. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't really have much else to go on with this topic. Probably the last point I wanted to leave on Lancer is that one of the most endearing qualities is that even though they always contrast the hero, even though they're always butting heads with them, even though there, there's always going to be disagreements, when everybody leaves the main character's side because of something they did, you can always rely on the Lancer to be loyal. You can always oh. rely on them to know the main character the best to stick Fair. by their side to the yeah. very end. It's also really a lot about loyalty, yeah, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gosh, so interesting. I'm really going to read up on this now because this is... Ugh. Yeah. You've introduced me to a whole new term that I don't, don't know anything <laughs> about. It's great. Yeah, I'll link you to a video. Um, it's by Overly oh, Sarcastic Productions, the YouTube channel. Mm. They have a series called Trope Talk, and this is my favorite video of the series. Ooh, so. okay, okay. Yeah, cool. And great. that's what I had for today. What are you bringing to the table? What is your topic of choice for today's episode? My topic of choice is something completely unrelated, which is great, because we don't <laughs> do that all the time. Perfect. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's also an achievement now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is, what we're doing, <laughs> but here we go. I want to talk with you about something quite specific. Sure. And it is the weather. As I'm, <laughs> I know, I know, bear with me on this. No, 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 go, go. I'm listening. I'm As listening. I'm all in. I'm all like, in. There's a sort of, well, storm is a big word because you also send me like pictures of a giant fucking snowy blizzard <laughs> in, uh, in America. So I shouldn't call this a storm, but there's a lot of rain outside. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Sure, sure. And I, as as uh, someone from the Netherlands, is always confronted with weather because it changes all the time here. Like there's, <laughs> you can have like, on an exciting day, <laughs> you can have a lot of weather within one day. Like it can be sunny, it can be rainy, it can snow, it can, you know, it changes every hour. It's, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So we from Holland <laughs> talk a lot about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that influences anything that I want to say about the topic, but it certainly is in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, so just putting away. that out there before I get into this. But yeah, I want to talk with you about weather and maybe also like seasons and calendars a little bit adjacent to it, because I think it's very important or sort of relevant as a passive world building element within your world. Of course. And I think why I love it so much is because the weather is always there. So you can, for starters, it's just a great sort of way to set the mood or to, you know, it's like mood lighting. Like you can see it mm-hmm. changing or you can describe how things get rough or get like really dark outside and stuff. And it doesn't have to mean anything, but instantly you feel different. Yeah, quite literally the, the mood changes or the room changes or the situation feels more tense or, well, you know, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And I think particularly storms or maybe like icy sort of related stuff is also very present in fantasy and maybe magical abilities in general. If we talk about D&D for a sec, like there's a lot of elemental spells that are like call lightning and uh, I don't know, ray of frost and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. There's a lot of coolness in that, I would say, like for some reason this spell is really nice because it has that effect, like people made it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, maybe I'm quite like interested in this sort of elemental stuff of, of magic, magic building, I would say. Sure. So, so that's one aspect of it, right? And the other thing is that for me, a little bit similar to what we talked about earlier about the, the dream topic that we had 
in a previous episode, right? It can be quite influential to a character or to a place or to a situation without sort of really saying anything, if you know what I mean. It can be super yeah. abstract or super unrelated, perhaps, but then still it influences everything because it's so much around you <laughs> if you're outside. Oh, absolutely. And there's also, of course, the sort of idea of sort of the enormity of it, right? Which is maybe, you know, nature in general is the sort of giant thing yeah, that we yeah, live yeah, yeah. in. And I think nowadays with a lot of cities and a lot of progress and a lot of technology and et cetera, et cetera, like we're way more distant from it, uh, from weather and nature and sort of outside, I guess, outside living mm -hmm. and elements influencing us than before. And I think in fantasy, I really love when when things are super influential like that, like there's not a lot of progress in the way of it. You know what I mean? I think I just want to hear from you if you, have, if you have similar ideas about it or if you maybe once used the weather or seasons in general in a world or maybe in a situation that was super relevant. Because I love weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally, yeah, of course. I think when you, when you first mentioned the topic, Uh, and kind of just started describing how much weather influences a story or a setting. The first word that came to mind was mighty. Hmm. When you like look to the skies and you see a whole blanket of clouds or a singular one that's like incredibly dark, you just realize that it's almost impossibly big, first and foremost. Just just to wrap your head around that um, this thing exists right above mm -hmm. us. And then the fact that it can bring down storms, bring down lightning, it can shape the air around us, the entire atmosphere. And there's nothing we can do about it, right? Yeah. It's something that you just have to simply contend with and improvise and adjust to because it is simply beyond your control. And I think that is what makes it so influential in our moods, you know, mm -hmm. like just to start it off like rain, you know, when it's raining outside, uh, we have to change what we wear we have to change how we uh what we bring outside mm -hmm. what we bring with us yeah. how we move how fast we're doing things or getting places everything changes when it's raining right and so that has like implicit effects on how we view the world and our opinions on rain in general some people love it some people hate it that translates really well into any literature we read setting the mood in terms of like what they have to contend with plus rain mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah and i think also in the real world, like in general, maybe like things like winter depressions and stuff, right? That's, that's pretty yeah. much a thing. Like I was thinking like, is, is New York higher than, than Holland? Would you have like that's similar weather question. patterns? I'm not sure. We should know about this. We talked about, we talked about geography for <laughs> yeah, you, multiple episodes. Like you now. keep going. I'll, I'll literally Google it right now. Yes, and I'll find please out. do. <laughs> this is, this is important. I looked up New York Holland and I got New York Holland tunnel, which is the thing, but not what I want. <laughs> uh, no, you are definitely on a higher level of, of oh. latitude than I am. Mm, okay. Okay. So I guess we have more winter depression. <laughs> you got, yeah, you guys are on par with Canada. Almost. Definitely. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Oh, oh I wouldn't think that. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Do you want me to send Good you a to screenshot? Know. Geography. Yes. We're learning. See, we're still like putting our geography miles in. This is sort of making it, making it a little less. Oh, right. Okay. How's that? Oh yeah. That's, that's pretty high. Oh dang. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> I'm learning all sorts of... Yeah. I'm so distracted right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love how we're sending each other visuals on a podcast. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's that's great for our audience that totally understands what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, they're loving it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it also made me think of Iceland, for example. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but Iceland is very famous 
for its pretty sort of extreme circumstances. Like there's very little people there to start off. It's an island. Mm. There, I think in 2015 or something, there was like a big volcanic like I think it was a sort of undersea vol- volcano or something that erupted and caused like a <laughs> shit ton of smoke and stuff. Um, there's there's pretty big differences because I think Iceland is even higher than Holland. So it's very high up there in terms of latitude or longitude. I don't know. <laughs> I, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so in Iceland, you can have like similar to maybe the North Pole, you can have like super, super dark winters and super mm-hmm. light summers. So in summer, you might have maybe like three hours of darkness or something. And in winter, you would have three hours that's of crazy. light and that's it. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I, I barely understand how people can live there. I guess if you're used to it, it's different. But And I think one time I read an article about someone who moved there or a YouTube video or something. And she talked about this similar thing that because there, the sort of conditions are so extreme, everything is sort of related to it and it influences your mm. entire day your sort of structure of living your you know the way you build your house and the the clothes you wear and how many you know uh, firewood you need (laughs) and stuff like that the writer also said that it made it very sort of on the other hand very cozy or very intimate or sort of special Mm. to be in such a bizarre circumstance because we are so tiny and so sort of used to normalcy i guess yeah i don't know and i really i really love that idea and specifically because because it's very merciless, I feel, too. I mean, it can be very merciless. Yeah. Like, I don't know, one Good hurricane enough. and then an entire city is upside down, you know? Or a thousand of people mm-hmm. are dead. And that's there's a sort of intriguing, intriguing sort of idea about that. Like, of course, it's awful. But in terms of, I don't know, if I look at it from a sort of artistic angle or something, or a world-building angle for that matter, it is a sort of intriguing idea to be sort of at the mercy of this sort of violent force of nature you know what i mean yeah the weather is often a cornerstone to the infrastructure of any cities or towns that are heavily affected by it mm-hmm. like you build any winter village in the mountain and everything is different you know from the animals that live around yeah. them to the vegetation that they can grow the, what they have to hunt mm-hmm. what they need to wear how they dress how they act all that is heavily affected by simply snow being yeah in close proximity all the time mm-hmm. you know yeah did you ever use the weather or maybe a season specifically for maybe storytelling or world building or for a character, perhaps? I remember it wasn't like a perpetual sort of weather thing, but I remember my, I sent my in my home campaign, I sent my party to a city that they had to kind of break and enter and retrieve something or prevent something from happening. Mm-hmm. But the end result was that they had to run because the city uh, was being burned down by their enemies. Oh, okay. Um, and I remember the next session started with a small monologue. Uh, I kind of just described them a few miles away from town, walking southwards on a dirt road, and it was raining, mm-hmm. kind of accenting that the damage that had happened was permanent. Oh, right. They were kind of leaving this place in a terrible wreckage and that they couldn't prevent. It was just simply beyond their control. And the rain kind of belabored that point that there are some things too powerful for you to maintain or to to keep in your grasp. And I think I remember it being one of the more poignant starts to a session that uh, my friend commented on later. He was like, oh, I really loved the intro to that session. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
Be- because of that specific sort of note, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just the emotion nice. that the, the first couple words started the session on. Yeah, that's great. It can be such a mood setter. Yeah, that's interesting. I also yeah, love specifically, maybe to <laughs> round it off a little bit, I also sure. love when sort of the um, pantheon or the sort of deities or the other big forces in a world, which is in fantasy often like godlike beings or something, or spirits or whatever, also sort of use the weather as a sort of tool because then it really sort of connects the sort of powerfulness of the weather or of the force of nature to to that yeah. character or to that being. And whenever then it storms or whatever, yeah, you know, the storm lord, that's a thing. <laughs> it's literally a sort of token or a sort of, how do you say that, like outreach into the world through weather. And it feels such mm-hmm. like such a powerful tool. Ah, I love weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people who worship the storm lord back in the day, I don't blame them. <laughs> After seeing a thunderstorm, I don't blame them at all. Isn't thunderstorm the best fucking thing? I can't. I mean, aside I from casualties and, it, and awfulness and stuff that also always happens with nature, <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> wow, thanks. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. I just love yeah. the smell and the sound and that everything is dark and stormy. <sighs> yeah, there's a, the, you know the word petrichor? There's a word for that. What? Uh, What's this? I should know about this. Uh, petrichor is the smell of... Uh, of the ground, or I believe it's specifically like concrete. Oh, um, after a rainstorm. What? Oh, Petricor. Oh, that's good. I will look this up right after we stop recording. <laughs> that's a great word. Wow. But yeah. Of course, there should be a word for that. It's the best smell. Yeah, I remember a, a year or two ago there was a thunderstorm um, that happened in New York that was just incredibly loud, just oh. like deafeningly loud, and yeah. it was. Hard to just not sit back and just be in awe of it. You know, <laughs> mm. I remember before it came, like my dad and I, we were outside just sitting on the porch, like watching the clouds roll and the wind get stronger. Like before the rain came down and just everything looks so different <sighs> and feels so different to the point that like the air is intense. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes when you live in the city, you forget about that kind of stuff. Mm, yeah, that's fair. I remember like one specific storm that in my mind was like the loudest one I ever experienced. But it probably also was because it was just very cool. And I was like seven. That's fair. <laughs> and we were on a campsite. So we just lived in a tent for a week. And then this giant thunderstorm sort of swooped over <laughs> oh, us. No. And me and my brother shared a tent. And we just literally woke up from the sound of this booming, you know, in your, in your body. <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> oh it. my God, what just happened? And then I was sort of like in awe and terrified simultaneously. And it was great. I still remember it. As as one of the top top storms I've experienced, I should say. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, um, again, before we can end this topic, I have to remember. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a. Uh, I remember in high school, uh, my friends and I were walking. We were eating somewhere, and we were walking back to the bus. Um, thunderstorm happening, plenty strong. We were going mm-hmm. through the streets, and I remember we were talking to each other. Two of us were. Fa- we were like two people were facing two people, and a lightning bolt struck the phone ta- phone line oh. yeah struck the phone line right above us <gasps> to the point Dang. that my two f- my two friends across from me saw the lightning bolt i couldn't see it because i was turned away from it but i could feel the heat behind me oh my god what that's wild holy shit like obviously like with ground wires nothing like lit on fire but like the brightness and the intensity and the heat was very 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 close Dang. <laughs> that's that's horrifying and so cool oh. 
so cool. Dang. Wish it would never happen again. Yeah, pro- so yeah cool. I wish that too for you. <laughs> Great. You know, it's a good story. Huh? <laughs> I, I guess we're going on to our final prompt. Sure. Is that all right? Yeah. You got something this week, no? I do. As every week, uh, one of us brings a topic to another and they mm-hmm. kind of have to build a world out of the prompt they're given. Um, today, uh, we're going to kind of go with the same energy as last week. I really liked what happened. Um, oh, okay. That we just kind of were given a sure. scenario and I kind of had to flesh it out. So the prompt for you today. Okay. Oh uh, I wrote it down so I get it exactly right. Oh God. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's go. The city's last airship is about to leave the port. In this prompt, decide where the ship is headed, why it's the last one, and why the main character might have boarded it. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I can see this city being, like, uh, what's the word for that? Like, immediate rest, like you're in the middle of the action. Sure. This is quite a big city. And I think... Okay. As a sort of city that's quite high up in the mountains, it requires air ship travel to, well, maybe stock their markets and to, you know, bring people back and forth. And all the sort of relevant business is basically through air because they're so high up and it's, it's a shit ton of work to literally like by foot traverse these mountains. Of course. This city is super influential. It's probably like one of the first or maybe like pioneering cities that use air travel in this way because of necessity but also because they're a big city and they did it well and the people or the world knows knows now that they did it well because everyone's copying their system etc <laughs> so air business is a big thing here so if the last airship of this fleet of this entire city leaves the city this city is very much at the mercy of whether they will come back if mm. anything happens you know that's that's basically their lifeline so i imagine that this is a super diplomatic politically tense situation where probably like either airships are super controlled by other parties or people want to have influence over this super important structure to the city like outside influence outsiders mm. of the city and perhaps there have been a lot of like hijacked airships or piracy around you know Um, maybe there's not as much regulation outside of the city versus inside the city and that has sort of conflict to it and i think this moment is the moment where the last airship kind of miss saigon style if people know this reference in a sort of crazed hurry uh once the city finds out this happens it's already too late and this airship has took flight you know leaves this leave this city basically cut off from anything there's a captain on board the last one that decided to stay in the city is now finally either at the mercy or has been completely you know how do you say that like converted by other people or has been maybe blackmailed or something sure his talents or their talents her talents have now been used for the forces that want to control this airship fleet and this captain is, is, you know, taking off and there's minutes before this airship leaves town and there's one final sort of board. I can imagine this is a sort of, you know, like, like, a, like, a, uh, like a port, but then in the air. So there's like a lot of, how, how do you say this? <laughs> an airport, I realized that there's I re- <laughs> an airport. Oh my God. I hate that that's a word. Oh God, that's awful. No, no, I refuse. I can, I can see this 
I'm trying to think of what the word for this, you know, you have these sort of boardwalks. No, not boardwalks, but like, like... Pier? Yeah, dock? pier. Yeah. Thank you. There's, there's like these sort of floating docks, right? That, that attach to the city mm-hmm. where these airships sort of, yeah, float slash land on when they leave and enter the city. Mm-hmm. And this last dock, the, the only dock that's still been used because all the other airships have been either pirated away or been compromised in in a way and i think this all happened very fast right like maybe in a few days suddenly this whole sort of plot started to surface and airships started yeah, not yeah. coming back etc and the people know about this last airship there's a big rush from the city either from like people that want to know what's going on from influential people that are like you can't do this we have if this is the last one there's no other way we can reach other people now and perhaps mm. the main character is either a coward could be a maybe how do you say that like like a sort of refugee no how do you say that like maybe he they cause a lot of trouble in the city or they're a prisoner or this is their chance to get out basically you know there's this last final sprint where he sort of super cinematically like jumps (laughs) off this dock and finally catches the one sort of final rail or something on the bottom of this thing and just sort of carries out kiki's delivery style you know sure sure or perhaps the main character is the one person that is able from all these people in the city that are rushing to this airship to try to keep it grounded, I guess, is the one person that still is able to reach it before it takes off. And now there's this super crazy pirate plot, I guess, where there's one main character that's <laughs> trying to fix this airship and all the other cast and people in this airship are basically the enemy. And that's a whole different story. Ooh. How about that? <laughs> Love that. Did I answer all Love your questions? That. All right, let's let's write it, ship it. All right, let's go. Gonna... <laughs> that was fantastic. Loved that. Oh, yeah. You could. I could see it. I could see the the Titanic style mm. music. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ship is leaving, and For the sure. crowd just bunching up by the docks, watching it. Exactly. Depart. Exactly. God, airships yeah. are so cool. I love that that fantasy yeah. has them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, originally this was going to be like the last airplane, but like, no, airship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way cooler. So yeah, much yeah, cooler. Yeah. I love it. Did I answer all your questions? Yeah. I just... Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, everything. great. Perfect. Oh, uh, w- yeah, you said where the airship is headed. Um, to like a diplomatic purpose or... Yeah, I guess so. Outside. Central? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's more... <laughs> Leaving. It's more about the city and the air rather than sort of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I have to say, I'm not against a sort of, you know hijacking plot on one remaining airship that's been captured by the enemy story sure i'm i'm, I'm not against that yeah if you're ever um you're ever in the market for a slice of life airship anime <laughs> oh um <laughs> there's something called well, not, sorry, slice of life um it's called drifting dragons and it's basically an airship that um specializes in hunting dragons which is very different in this world than it is in most um, fantasy media and it's just about the daily lives of the airship workers. Oh, dang. And how they go That's about so their business fun. and going from town to town. Yeah. And it's an really anime, relaxing, said, or actually. what is it? I believe it's on Netflix. I, yeah, it is it's definitely an anime. Oh, okay. I don't remember mm. who makes it. but Yeah, we'll definitely look that up. Sounds great. Yeah. One of my favorite things from it is the soundtrack, which I use in all of my campaigns because it has a Oh, so- really? Mm. like high flying and adventurous <laughs> that, that's very good. atlantis style, that's a good know? good kind of soundtrack i'm not gonna lie dang i love it yeah and with that i guess we're gonna wrap up today's episode if your yeah. riffs are wrong well thank you so much for tuning in 
This was a wonderful time as always. And we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm. Same time, same place. Have a wonderful weekend as this comes in on Friday, right? Have a wonderful weekend. (laughs) Have a wonderful month, year, uh, and everything else. Wonderful time in general. As always, (laughs) it's just a wonderful time in general. And as always, remember, your rivers are wrong. Mm -hmm. Yep, they're wrong. You heard it her first. Have a good one. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes that you'd like to hear us cover, feel free to contact us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music is written by Maarten Schellekens. Thanks for that. And again, thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you at the next one.